before dawn, milk cows work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, you know, uh, Joe Biden was down in Florida and <laughs> I almost wanted to throw up um, seeing him speak while Ron DeSantis was st- standing behind him on the uh, on the platform. And but I thought about it and I thought, you know, Ron DeSantis didn't say anything that disrespected himself. Um, And when the president comes down and uh, he's trying to get money uh, from the federal government, I guess you just have to, uh, you know, go with the protocol. And the the protocol was when the president comes down, you greet them. So the wife, uh, DeSantis, Mrs. DeSantis and, uh, uh, Ron DeSantis um, were both there and showing, uh, being respectful, and not showing respect, but being respectful and standing on the dais behind Biden, who was speaking. Um, but Biden went down there and he made a bit of a fool out of himself. And apparently the mayor of Fort Myers is a, is a, is a radical liberal, too, um, wearing his hat and his goatee, the mayor um, chimed in with uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden and the mayor had this encounter where Biden says on a hot mic, no one Fs with a Biden. No one Fs with a Biden. And the mayor down there, in a very conservative section of Florida, um, must be a liberal though. I, I don't know the guy, but he um, he goes, you're you're uh, he basically said you're you know, g damn right, right? I mean, using God's name in vain. And and then it was the the next thing that Joe Biden said that that really actually caught my interest that no one's talking about. 
it's you never fight with your brothers uh, outside of the, the home. And so we're going to take a listen to this. Um, and uh, here we go. That last part, you can't argue with your brothers outside the house. And, and I can't argue with your brothers outside the house that's exactly right right yeah that's exactly right that's exactly right what we say behind closed doors stays behind closed doors what a corrupt what a corrupt guy that is i mean it's an utter embarrassment so no one messes with biden but what opec who's cutting between Russia and OPEC, they're going to be cutting 2 million barrels a day. And uh, meanwhile, we're, we're going to continue to deplete the strategic oil reserves because Biden has no cred. And uh, Charles Payne said something actually quite interesting, that Brazil's pulling away from the United States. Iran now has leverage over the United States because we're going to come begging to Iran. We're going to be begging Venezuela right now. These corrupt nations that we were sanctioning, are, we're no longer going to be able to sanction. We're hamstrung. And it's because we ourselves, the United States, led by Biden, uh, catering to his base, the Green Initiative, has basically... Engaged in oil reduction to push electric vehicles and his climate initiatives using middle class taxpayer dollars who are getting crushed by this energy crisis and don't want the electric vehicle and understand because they have brains and because they know better that this is a pipe dream. This is never going to really work. There's going to be a limit to cobalt more than there is a limit to oil. They're not going to be able to produce this. This is the cash cow temporary. I guarantee you 2035, 2035 in California, they're going to have fossil fuel combustible engines. And it was kind of a funny meme when they showed a Tesla uh, work truck filling up at the gas pump and because Tesla doesn't make work trucks. It's kind of interesting that they used all kinds of fossil fuels to save lives down in Florida. It wasn't electric windmills and, and batteries weren't getting it done. It was, it was actually gas powered generators and bulldozers. So, and cranes and all kinds of stuff. But, if it wasn't for fossil fuels, we would have lost a lot more lives. What's powering those helicopters that are saving lives? Is it electric? No, it's gas. I mean, it's such a joke. And climate is a joke. This whole climate hoax 
And this is what the Democrats and the globalists and the socialists do. They do it all the time with every single thing. They try to make a crisis out of everything. So Greg Price writes, I don't know what he's smoking, but OPEC kind of effed him, effed Biden pretty hard today with the the uh, uh, reduction of oil. Um, meanwhile, I'm just reading this. It says, breaking Fifth Circuit rules, uh, Obama's DACA program is unconstitutional. We'll get to that later. The Biden regime cut back on energy production, then whines when OPEC does the same thing, right? I mean, you can't you can't blame OPEC when they're doing exactly the same thing, but they they have a different reason for doing it because they don't want to devalue their oil. And and there's more. The trashiest Sammy uh, writes the trashiest president and family in the history of this great nation an absolute utter embarrassment to the office he holds and the people he represents that couldn't have been said better could not have been said better and you got uh, another person saying uh, joking about hunter saying every hooker hunter has ever hired begs to differ about the slanderous remarks. But I take uh, more offense, not just with the nobody Fs with the Biden or your blankety-blank right um, that the mayor engaged in. I think that mayor should be resigned. But there's just so much more. I mean, when they say, and you you keep your arguments with your brothers behind closed doors. That's that's coded language. For, you know, whatever you say behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. Whatever you do in Vegas stays in Vegas. And they're basically saying, you know, what we say in public is different than what we say in private. It's just absolute corruption. And nobody's doing anything about it. I'm pointing it out. People are pointing it out on the right. But the level of corruption in our government has just been so exposed. Thanks to who? Thanks to Donald Trump. He exposed all of this and woke us up. Yeah, we're woke all right, but not in the way you'd think. There's a lot of woke going on, but we're very much woke when it comes to the realities of the criminal behavior of our government. We wanted to also talk about Elon Musk today, and we're going to play some Bobolinsky quotes. Um, so we have a, a busy day today. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard wrote, The Biden administration does not care about the American people. Permanent Washington loots us to serve the interests of the arms manufacturing global oligarchy while we struggle to pay for rent, gas, and groceries, and our soldiers go on food stamps. Um, Charlie Kirk writes, why hasn't the FBI investigated the blatant and documented criminal fraud of the Biden family and Chairman Joe committee in its business dealings with the Chinese Communist Party? 
Well, you know, we have some clips that we're going to be playing here. Um, they're quite interesting. Um, where Bobulinski, uh basically talks about how the Biden crime family was was set up. And, uh, you know, it was set up just like he was the CEO of, uh, of the Biden crime family. So let's start with a couple of, uh, a couple of different, um, clips. Um, right here. So here, Joe Biden was the chairman. Let's take a listen to this clip. Points that Joe Biden was acting in, uh, in a capitalistic term, I would say the chairman. The chairman of J.P. Morgan doesn't take eight meetings down with the people, you know, analyzing companies. The chairman serves a purpose, right? He's a figurehead. He shows up in meetings, shakes hands, advises, you know, has faith in his team. Effectively, that was Joe Biden's role in the Biden family business ventures and uh, around the world. And not just my venture. I met with him uh, um, multiple times, but it's well documented. It's well documented. This all is well documented. He has evidence, evidence that he would like to share with the FBI, for for example. Um, Tony, uh, and, and so let's just take a listen to this. Hunter Biden's former business partner, Tony Bobulinski, reveals that he presented evidence to the FBI that the Bidens committed multiple felonies, but FBI agent Timothy Tybalt, Tybalt, uh, yeah, it's Tybalt, but you know, Tybalt says Tim Tebow, right? So it sounds like Tim Tebow, but uh, it's Timothy Tebow, and it's it's pronounced this way, Tebow, but it's spelled T H I B A U L T, like a vault, but with a B, so Tybalt, Tebow, but the way he call refers to him. Tim Tebow, like the, uh, you know, the Florida Gator that won a Heisman uh, or two Heismans. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of interesting. If you ever didn't want to look him up, it's Tebow spelled T-H-I-B as in boy, A-U-L-T. And that's how you spell Tebow. All right. This is the FBI agent that basically um, committed multiple felonies. The Bidens committed multiple felonies, but FBI agent... Uh, Tebow, who ran point on the investigation, never followed up with him or his lawyers. For the sake of our country, for national security, um, at that point, he was uh, candidate Joe Biden. Now he's the sitting president of the United States, the most powerful uh, person in the free world and um, daunting. So at the end of that five plus hour interview, the head of station uh, told my lawyers, listen, an individual named, named Tim Tebow is going to run points on all of this. We're definitely going to have Tony come back in for a follow-up interview. Could be as early as next week. Some of the people that were in the room weren't well-versed on all these facts. We may want to have people come in from Baltimore or Delaware. And, you know, I was ready to sit down with anybody that needed me to or travel wherever I wanted to. And, um, and so the head of station gave my lawyers um, Tim Tebow's cell phone number. Tim was not there that day. I think he was out of Washington, D.C. But my lawyers had an hour, hour and a half call with him that Friday night, October 23rd. And subsequent calls through the weekend and the following week 
when I was then coming on um, your show to uh, provide the facts to the American people. And um, they were supposed to be working a follow-up interview. And Tim Tebow, in his last discussion with my legal counsel, was, listen, we know Tony's cooperating. We appreciate all the information he's provided. Uh, We will follow up with you. We're definitely going to have him come in uh, for a follow-up interview or spend some more time on this. And um, I haven't heard from them since. At all? No. Nor have my lawyers. No communication whatsoever? No. Since before the 2020 election? Correct. That's shocking. Uh, shocking, yeah. That would be one adjective, yeah. Tell us about Tim Tebow. Um, I didn't interact with him. My lawyers right. did. And had extensive discussions, obviously. All right, so that's one part. And then here's the, the next part. Uh, while he was with the FBI, they literally called him while he was doing an interview uh, with uh, Tucker. Let's take a listen. We were right in the middle of all of that. Have you? We were right in the middle of all of that. Have you had any contact with Hunter or Jim Biden? No, the last. Con- <laughs> so the last contact I had with the Biden family is actually when I was in my interview with the uh, um, with the FBI on October 23rd for that five plus hours. Um, on my BlackBerry, Jim Biden called me via WhatsApp. And, um, you know, I was there voluntarily. But uh, so my phone starts ringing in the middle of this interview. So I looked down and I'm like, I'm like, is he really calling me right now? <laughs> so I show the phone to my lawyer and he's like, and then I show it to the agents. The agents got up out of their chair and left the room. They were like, uh, you can take that call if you want. And so I answered it and there was nobody on the other side. So I don't know if it was a uh, mistake or they were trying to send me a message or uh, what it was. But that's the last uh, interaction or communication I've had with the Biden family. So, so you are the key to the story. And there's a lot at stake. I wish I wasn't, but yeah. of course, we're right in the middle of all of that. Have you had any contact? So, so you know the the uh, interesting thing there is, uh, I misspoke. It wasn't the interview he gave with uh, Tucker last year. It was two years ago. Uh, it was basically the uh, interview he was conducting with the FBI itself. So. No one was on the other line. So he gets a call from uh, Jim Bi- uh, Joe Biden's brother, Jim, calling him while he's being investigated or being interviewed by the FBI. And I think that was a call to intimidate. Uh, basically, it was a call to say, we know where you are. We know what you're doing. We're not going to say a word. So the FBI is like leaving. Like, let's let's. Uh, let them talk. Maybe we'll gain some new in- info on this case. And uh, it turns out that the the call the the caller on the other end was silent, calling from Jim Biden, basically letting Bobulinski, Tony Bobulinski, know that we know where you are, what you're doing. What a scary situation, right? And this changed the outcome of the election. Take a listen to this. The American uh, public aware of it. But uh, Mark Zuckerberg just casually said, oh, yeah, the FBI came to us and warned us of a dump. So when the New York Post ran their article, um, uh, individual named Andy Stone uh, stepped in. I think he runs their uh, um, compliance or fact checking department and uh, and throttled down the fact pattern. The interesting thing with that, Tucker, is Andy Stone never reached out to me. He never called my lawyers. 
My email address was there. I'm easy to get a hold of. Facebook never reached out to me and said, hey, Tony, we see that this email that the New York Post just published to you, is it real? Can you produce the email to us? Within five minutes, if Twitter, Facebook, anybody else had reached out, I would have produced the email with, everyone wants to talk about the metadata. Oh, the, you know, the emails that are being produced don't have any metadata. I would have given them the metadata that's pages along on that email that, uh, that the New York Post published. And um, so you originally started this chain by how did it make me feel? Angry, disappointed, and felt like I had to go out and educate the, you know, American But take people. three steps back. I mean, this was an extraordinarily close election, yeah. which is to say it was determined. Yeah, there's no doubt that this uh, had an impact on the election. There's no doubt. Um, yeah, let's take a listen. Here's the part where he gets into that. The difference between President Trump and Joe Biden was 21,000 votes. If half of those people voted for Trump, uh, Trump, just half, uh, he would still be in the White House. The FBI alone altered history in the 2020 election. The FBI should be ashamed of themselves. They should be dismantled. Uh, the people that work and participated in this election rigging should resign. American but take people. three steps back. I mean, this was an extraordinarily close election, yeah. which is to say it was determined in real life by a very small number of votes. Yep, 21,500 votes. I don't think your, 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 you know, your audience, which is a large one, um, probably understands or is really thinking about it today. But if you go back to October 2020 and then into the November 3rd election, the election was decided by 21,500 votes. And what does that mean? Three states, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona. The difference between President Trump and Joe Biden was 43,000 votes. If half of those people, 21,500, had voted for President Trump instead of Biden, President Trump would still be in the White House. Now, I'm not arguing for that or supporting that. That is fact based on what was recorded in actual votes. So that election was decided by 21,500 votes in the backdrop of a story that is the most suppressed story in the history of a, a U.S. presidential election. So if we now know that that story was suppressed by a federal agency, the FBI, our biggest law enforcement agency, then how did the FBI not affect the election outcome? It sounds like the election was, I'll just say it, rigged in part by the FBI. It was. It was. So you can call it rigged. You can call it stolen. You could call it suppressed. The American people can call it whatever they want. But the fact pattern is the FBI alone altered history in that election. Did anyone at the New York Times or the Washington Post ever call you? Um, so I've had a variety of people reach out to me, but nobody that was willing to actually. And nobody did. Nobody reached out to him. So why is he coming out now? That's a great question. Why are you coming out now again? I'm coming out now because American people still are being lied to about the facts, right? Nothing's been done. They're still thinking, oh, that deal never happened, or, you know, Hunter Biden was a troubled child. They're not aware of the tens of millions of dollars, the thousands of, you know, pages of documentation and the facts. The DOJ is claiming they're gonna, they had to couch this. They can't do anything near an election. I don't want to be sitting here in December and they actually indict Hunter Biden and then the American people are like, why weren't we made aware of those facts? 
This is crazy. I would have changed my vote for that congressman or that senator or that governor or that attorney general. So um, uh, that's why I'm coming out now. Why are you coming out now again? I'm com- that looped. Um, all right. So uh, here, <laughs> Tony Bobulinski challenges CNN's Jake Tapper to bring him in for an hour-long interview. Let's take a listen. A variety of people reach out to me, but nobody that was willing to actually go through a detailed interview of the facts. And, um, you know, Jake Tapper, I guess, well-respected by many people at CNN. Um, you know, I appeal to him and Chris Lick. I'll come for an interview. We'll spend an hour. You can be as aggressive as you want to be with me. You can call me a liar. You can, you know, attack the facts. The good news is it's just not my word against the Bidens. I have thousands of documents, text messages, WhatsApp conversations, recordings of the sitting president of the United States in his own voice. And uh, I'd love to have that debate. So and you offered that Uh, I'm available. Yeah. I, I mean, I've said, well, I've had people reach out to me and I've said, you know, listen, what's the. Uh, you know, they just want something. They want something for a news cycle or this going. And um, so uh, uh, I have not um, done that. I've been laying low, um, but uh, I'm offering that now, uh, you know. So you would go on CNN and speak at yeah. whatever length they'd like. I would uh, go experience. on uh, Jake Tapper tonight if he wants to interview me. How has no one followed up on the story? If you work in journalism, you get a lot of people calling you. I'm a whistleblower. They all. It's absolutely stunning. Well, the country we live in, you know, the question was, how much did Hunter Biden expect to make from his business dealings with the Chinese? Bobolinsky answers, the Bidens probably thought they were going to make billions with a B as in boy. Tucker, did Hunter receive the money? Bobolinsky received over $5 million involved so how much did hunter expect to make from his business dealings with the chinese so not only hunter i uh i wasn't interested they you know they had to work on me for years to sort of you know call it come off the bench and get involved here in the spring of 2017 i expected cfc was going to deploy billions of dollars through sinohawk um and i was focused on taking those billions of dollars and making a return on it. Um, and I expected to make hundreds of millions of dollars. I think the Bidens probably thought they were going to make billions of dollars. How much do you think Hunter in the end got from this, from diverting this money? Do you think he received the money? So he definitely received the money. I mean, the, the, the bank statements have been made public. You know, he received over $5 million. And then I think an incremental $1 million uh, in a legal consulting fee to represent um, Patrick Ho, uh, which is a story in itself. So this seems very cut and dried. Black and white. Black and white. If only we had law enforcement that protected both sides of the political sphere. There are hundreds of data points that Joe Biden was acting in. Uh, in a capitalistic term, I would say the chairman. The chairman of J.P. Morgan doesn't take eight meetings down with the people, you know, analyzing companies. The chairman serves a purpose, right? He's a figurehead. He sh- we, we heard that one. And uh, well, goes we'll up in meetings, it, shakes hands, advises, you know, has faith in his team. Effectively, that was Joe Biden's role in the Biden family business ventures and uh, around the world. And not just my venture. I met with him uh, um, multiple times. But it's well documented. There are hundreds. So- 
here we have the Biden crime family. It's it's bad enough that we have Hunter Biden with thousands of photos from Pornhub on down to his just personal stash. Pictures of him smoking crack. <laughs> and nobody wants to talk about it. They swept it all under the rug. If you make mention of it, you're banned on Facebook. Zuckerberg will ban you. They booed him when he tried to uh, come out and show his support for the UFC. They booed him. And he was with Dana White, which shame on Dana White for that, actually, I would say. Um, But, you know, money talks, right? And you could buy your way into anything. Um, But uh, uh, it's disgusting. It really is. It's just absolutely disgusting. And what do we have in... um, What do we have on our side? We have the left working in concert against the truth, right? The truth is right there. It's spelled out for us. We knew that the Russian hoax was a hoax. We knew that the Ukrainian call as a ploy to get an impeachment was a joke. And we knew that Zelensky and Ukraine was a laundering center that made a lot of the liberals rich, like Pelosi's son, Pelosi Jr., who's now going to be making money off of Taiwan, like the Bidens and the Heinz family, and uh, which is the reason why I still buy, uh, do not, for, for over six years, I, you know, however long, I will refuse to buy a Heinz ketchup or a Heinz product. I won't buy it. Christopher Heinz was in bed with Hunter Biden, and, uh, you know, um, uh, John Kerry was the he's the climate czar and he's married into that he first married a, a millionaire like John McCain did and uh, but Kerry married a millionaire then he divorced her and married a billionaire the Heinz family and I don't know why all these rich people that make their money off of middle class Americans throw you know just turn a blind eye and go woke and go liberal because it's the government that's giving out perks. The liberals, the socialists who are in bed with the globalists and it's the globalists that are destroying the world and our lives. And we, we talk about colonialism in Africa back hundreds of years ago. That was a liberal concept. The liberals are doing it today. The globalists are doing it today. We're going to play a clip for you today that's going to be eye-opening. But um, this clip here, um, this is who we have on our side. Nikki Haley from South Carolina. I don't know what they're drinking in South Carolina, but, you know, Lindsey Graham, biggest globalist, you know, basically wants to double and triple down on um, aid to Ukraine. When, you know, we have so much need here in our own country, number one. And number two, it's just a laundering scheme. And, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, who's a, a liberal, who I'll never forgive for, impe- you know, voting to impeach Trump. Um, but yet still says a lot of really great things. He's basically doubled down on the concept that this is this is all about. Um, Ukraine uh, is all about uh, 
you know, financing the military industrial complex. But let's take a listen to this clip. Oh, this what is Nikki role Haley. should the United States play? And do you think we should be pushing for some kind of peace agreement to avert a potential larger scale war? What we don't need to do is pushing our weight on them. The Ukrainians need to decide what they want. Just assume if someone had gone and taken Texas. Would we want someone to tell us what we should do with Texas? Oh, just leave Texas. We'll be fine without it. No, they want their country in as a whole. That's what Zelensky's <laughs> saying is they're fighting for their very survival. The last thing they want is for someone to tell them after they've done this and after they've made such good ground to turn around and, and strike a peace deal with the Russians. They don't want to do that because they know if they strike a peace deal with the Russians, first it was Crimea, now they're taking other parts, there will be no end to it. They need to finish it. I think we need to stand behind Zelensky and the Ukrainians in keeping their country. Very tricky times ahead. And basically she was our UN ambassador, you know, and again, Trump hired her for that. I, 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 I don't always understand what's going on in the, that world. Um, you know, it just doesn't make sense. But I mean, surely there are people in Washington that could do the right thing and not sell out. But uh, that's what it is. You know, we're we're gonna, we're about to spend what a hundred billion dollars on Ukraine. How much is that country even worth? We could just buy it for about $100 billion and own it. And then it's ours. How Russia, Russia surely wouldn't like that. But Russia surely did not, um, surely did not blow up their uh, own pipeline. They just didn't. That doesn't make any sense. And yet... All across the media, if you say those words, you're basically pro-Russia, you're for the Red Army, and you're anti-United States. You're treason. And uh, Kirby basically said that, that very, very similar thing. Meanwhile, you got a military train in Russia has been spotted leaving central Russia. Reports claim the train is operated by a secret nuclear division of Russia and it is headed for Ukraine. Is Russia planning a nuclear test on the Ukraine borders? Who knows? You know, um, but uh, we didn't have to get to this point. It did not have to get here. Um, so, you know, that's the thing. So, um, in any case, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to get away from that, but... We have our own government saying that if you disagree with their policy in Ukraine, which is a laundering operation, engaged in terrorism of a pipeline that resulted in the biggest environmental disaster, our government is denying it, lying to us. Tucker put together a nice piece last night about your government lying to you and how we can't even have honest debate or discussion in our country anymore. It's all censored in every way, shape, and form. And people's lives are being lost. People's lives are being destroyed. And we're not alone because the globalists have infected every government, including our own. And Canada, half the members of their parliament are part of the World Economic Forum. 
But in the UK, it's the same thing. I just got an Epoch Times uh, article today, and it was about uh, Donald Trump basically was asked what, what happened to Boris Johnson. And the answer was he went woke. And so in the UK, they're, they're, they basically sold out to globalism. They're, the politicians are being bought out and, and you know sold down the river. So this anchor uh, over at GBN, which is uh, kind of like a Nigel Farage network, um, put this together. She, she basically talked about the COVID crisis and what's happening with that. Take a listen to this. Rishi Sunak says that lockdowns could have been shorter, different, quicker. We could be in a very different place. He says now, with the benefit of hindsight, that some of us never needed. Apparently, as the economy tanks, he regrets the government's COVID strategy, stating that the scientists at SAGE should never have been put in charge of the country's response. Well, who knew? Thanks for that, Rishi. Now I can sleep at night. Except, of course, I can't and I won't until there are arrests over the despotic, unscientific measures of the scamdemic and the perverted profits sucked up by vampirical pharmaceutical companies, aided and abetted by a media paid off to the tune of £300 million, paid for by Rishi Sunak's department with our taxpayers' money. If you empower all these independent people, you're screwed, he now says in reference to SAGE. We shouldn't have empowered the scientists in the way that we did. True, especially when a leading member of SAGE is a lifelong member of the Communist Party and might just have enjoyed that frisson of power. But Rishi's wrong. You can empower scientists, except that as with any medical decision, the consequences of which could be life-changing, you always seek a second opinion. Are you telling us, Rishi Sunak, that you didn't have the chance at one of your SAGE meetings to ask them to read, your colleagues to read, the Great Barrington Declaration, for instance? That statement, written in October 2020 by some of the world's top epidemiologists and public health scientists, in which they expressed their grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of your policies, instead recommending more focused protection for the vulnerable. They were publicly discredited as fringe, according to leaked emails, and denounced as quacks. You should have had the gumption, Rishi Sunak, to insist to your team that there might have been a different way. Sunak conceded, you have to acknowledge trade-offs from the beginning. If we'd done all of that, we could be in a very different place. Do you think... Is he finally referencing the necessity of a cost-benefit analysis of lockdowns? Indulge me for a minute while I show you a clip of me in June 2020, less than three months after the first lockdown. Lockdowns are not medical. Lockdowns are political. They are based on a misattribution of data. They are based on poor testing statistics. They're based on a disease in which 98% of people who catch it will be fully recovered within three months. Now, I don't show you that as an I told you so. Well, I do a bit actually, it's quite satisfying. Uh, but let me tell you, 
After making such statements on TV, I was vilified by the press, demonised on social media, and written off by former employers as a selfish granny killer. But it was so obvious if you chose to look. You didn't need to be the Chancellor to see what was coming. You just needed to switch off the BBC, seek out people who were looking at facts rather than trilling with emotion like this woman. And it's fine that, it, that we kill a few million thousand, hundreds of thousand old people? Well, Is no, that OK? No. But that's what there you're basically saying. No, when we started out on this and Neil Ferguson had said there will be half a million dead in the UK, there is still only 350,000 dead in the world. So the figures were so wildly inaccurate that we have to readdress now and they have to hold their hands up and say the predictions were wrong. But Let's look at what we're dealing with. Let's look at his, the specific his modeling, people. Yeah, his, OK, his, most people can it. see now. Uh, GP Sarah, Sarah Jarvis there, uh, my former adversary, who admitted to keeping her family outside on Christmas Day, even when the government said they could go in. So you get the idea. That's, uh, this is an eight-minute clip. Uh, I just played just a half of it. But you get the idea there that people, if they only listened, we could have saved a lot of lives if we had open discussion. But this censorship is killing our society, killing our country. It's absolutely insane that we are dealing with this. Uh, John Kirby, for example, was uh, going on and saying that uh, if if you think for one second that... Um, we blew up that pipeline. You're basically carrying water for the Russians. That, that to me, is absolutely insane. He's also the person that has decided to fire uh, 20,000 military members over the vaccine mandate, which we know doesn't work. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's just so many different things that uh, uh, we need to address here. Um, I, I have a couple of uh, different clips. Uh, this one about the Horn of Africa. You know, all the mining and drilling and the globalist um, uh, conditioning. Uh, well, what's interesting about this clip is what this lady says, um, Claire Daly says, over at the European Union. Let's take a... Well, you know what? We'll take this call... Before we get to that clip, and, uh, and go uh, ahead, caller, you're on the air. Hi, Scott. Uh, this is John from Illinois. How are you? Pretty good. Hey, John. Hey, a couple quick questions, a couple quick comments. Um, Neil Ferguson, who was just referenced in the pandemic uh, uh, recordings you just played, Neil Ferguson is the same epidemiologist who also made catastrophic predictions about the effects of mad cow about you no know, 10 20 years ago i don't know if yeah. you remember that yeah, Freudfeld Jakob disease look him up he he made the same wildly inaccurate and overinflated or inflated estimates of deaths and disaster at that point too we should have looked at him with great skepticism by the covid times but we didn't now he has two epic disasters on his hands i, I hope no one listens to him at this point number one two with regard to kirby and uh, his comment about the pipeline isn't it obvious that it's the number one suspect is the U.S. along with Great Britain and Poland? To be honest, the Poland's have been just the Poles have been just psychotic enough about this to 
to try something like this. No, the polls are uh, definitely and, involved, and that's why I like it when people say um, the United States and its proxy, and by proxy they're implicating anyone anyone outside of the U.S., sort of like Poland. And uh, and the thing is, is that um, Poland stands, at, you know, because you have the Baltic pipe. The Baltic people aren't talking about this alternative to Nord Stream, and it's called the Baltic Pipe, and it's run by Poland and I think Ukraine, um, one other country, and that is the you know th- that basically would cripple Nord Stream, um, it would cripple Nord Stream's ability to you know gain that leverage and power out of Europe, you know particularly Germany. Well, that that pipeline that's from Norway because the Norwegian gas field, yes. Norwegian oil, they're, they're sending that Norwegian gas to Poland and Lithuania. Now, that pipeline has capacity for 10 billion cubic meters a year. Um, there's also a pipeline coming up from uh, Azerbaijan. But those two pipelines provide 10 billion and 3 billion, respectively. Nord Stream 2 and Nord Stream 1 cumulatively provide 110 to 120 billion cubic meters and that's what a lot of european economic um, european economic planning was based on the russian gas which dwarfs the gas coming from these other places and i think still is cheaper uh, at least is cheap probably cheaper and more reliable so the, the notion that they're going to replace it with norwegian or uh, azerbaijani gas it's a far cry yeah. from where it needs and, to be they're, and, they're kidding themselves and here's what bothers me too is that russia Russia would not be aggressive if it wasn't for NATO and the globalists impeding and infringing on their their interests. And, you know, like when Trump was leading, uh, the, a leader of the free world, he basically said, let's bring Russia closer to us as an ally instead of a foe. Let's bring them into the G8. Let's make it a G, from G7 to G8. Let's bring Russia back into that fold so that they could have a discussion piece at the table that we could all come to uh, like a peaceful agreement to things. But the globalists said no. They wanted to villainize Russia. And here we are on the precipice of a World War III nuclear war as a result of it. Correct. Well, the Russians have tried to move closer to the U.S. and wanted to move closer to the U.S. Well, since their uh, the breakup of the Soviet Union, and that was that they made various efforts. I, could, I won't bore you with the details, but they did make various efforts, and we pushed them away in a strange season, perfect counterweight uh, with us to China, and that would have been the effective way if you really want to contain China to contain China both militarily and economically. But we decided not to do that in large part because of the neocons who infiltrated the Bush both Bush departments of uh, uh, Bush uh, administrations. And the neocons, you just have to look up where the neocons come from. But the neocons tend to have uh, almost an inveterate hatred of Russia because of their own, their own ethnic reasons. And, and that's just the way it is. They, they, have, they were actually, the neocons they were communists in the 50s, gradually saw that, um, that, the, um, uh, that, that that was not working out too well for them especially with regard to Israel. So they kind of migrated to the Republican Party by the 70s. And that's kind of how their, their migration for A lot of those guys were the you know, red diaper doper babies in Brooklyn in the 40s and 50s. But th- that's the, the reason why we're so anti-Russian, I think, is because of the neocons. If it wasn't for that, most people are kind of, most people don't think about Russia too much. Yeah, 
do what you want to do. And you know, the Russians were our ally throughout the entire 18th, uh, 1800s. They actually were helpful to the North during the Civil War as well. I think there was some support in this Revolutionary War as well, which is interesting. And we had pretty good relations up until the communists came in and, and after World War One. But if it wasn't for the neocons, we'd have better relations because you're right. It's crazy. But why would they blow up their own pipeline? And for this idiot to suggest that, well, you're suggesting, you know, you're backing Putin. Well, if, if up is up, then up is up. Why well, would they you, bomb their own know, pipeline? They blow up their own leverage. And, it's the U.S. and Great Britain could have done this, too. They're yeah. our lapdog. Yeah, absolutely. And Jeffrey, Jeffrey Sachs, a Colombian economic professor, liberal, from Vienna. Right. Basically, I played the clip yesterday, before Tucker played it last night. And... Um, you know, he basically said, you know, everybody's who who has half a brain knows the U.S. is involved, whether them or their proxy. And Poland stands to gain from this. And the U.K., perhaps, like you said. And um, and uh, the thing is, is that it doesn't it doesn't benefit Jeffrey Sachs, who's a liberal Columbia professor, to be saying this stuff. But it's true. Victoria Nuland basically advocated for the Nord Stream being put offline if, uh, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine and, and Putin. I mean, of course, uh, Biden said the same thing. And uh, so and then and then uh, it was um, uh, Tony Blinken that basically said, hey, how great is this? So, you know, everywhere you turn, the United States has sort of endorsed it and yet is blaming Russia, <laughs> you know. It doesn't make any sense, yeah. especially well, just, when, when the boy who cried wolf blames Russia every single time he cries wolf. Well, you'd think everyone would have figured this out by now. It's always Russia, Russia, Russia. I mean, you have to be an idiot to buy into this stuff <laughs> yeah. by now. I'll just give you one closing quote. You know, Ronald Reagan, when they went to uh, U.S. met the Soviets, this is a, the Soviet Union, now the late Soviet Union, which was much less sort of formidable and much less, you know, uh, ideological than the early Soviet Union. But when they met... Uh, he met Gorbachev in 87, I believe, in Reykjavik, in Iceland. Yeah. He specifically instructed his staff, no one is to speak disparagingly about Russia or the Soviet Union. If you do, I will fire you on the spot. Because the purpose was to achieve peace right. and achieve nuclear arms reduction. Right. That overrides everything. Right. Keep your emotions in check. Lindsey Graham apparently didn't get... in Lin our childish leadership. Lindsey Graham apparently didn't get the memo because he's making money off of the oil pipelines either uh, through uh, the Baltic pipe, through the Middle East, through ISIS. Um, you know, the, the, that pipeline in the Middle East that was uh, left abandoned. Um, you know, it's all of those things. But thank you for calling yeah. in today. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Scott. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We got one more clip for you. And uh, let's uh, take a listen to this. This is uh, Claire Daly. I don't think you'd have to be a genius to know that the last thing the Horn of Africa needs is more foreign military bases, more weapons and more European meddling. What we call our strategic relationship isn't about human flourishing. It's about the EU's ambitions as a superpower. There's now a new great game in the Horn of Africa. Greater and lesser powers are pockmarking the place with military bases. France, the US, China, Germany, Japan, Italy, Saudi Arabia, all have a presence in the tiny area of Djibouti alone. Mercenaries are swarming in from all quarters. The entire region is being militarized. War is in the air. And what about the people? 
facing climate and food insecurity, none of this benefits them. We talk about instability, but we only make it worse. We flood the place with weapons, hand over the profits to European arms companies and charge the bill to our citizens. And then with the carnage, we go back in and we do it all again. It's a racket. Strategic relationship, it's one thing after another, isn't it? Really, it's the same as it ever was. And all I can say is God save Africa from Europeans offering help. Reagan said seven seven, uh, most uh, scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And uh, he was right about that. Uh, That's absolutely true. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, Julian Assange, uh, there's going to be a uh, big rally for Julian Assange on October 8th. And uh, it was kind of interesting to hear uh, John Bolton. John Bolton says, I hope he gets at least 176 years in jail for what he did. Ambassador John Bolton discusses uh, Julian Assange's imprisonment with WikiLeaks founder's wife, Stella. His wife, Stella. And Stella Assange said um, basically that uh, it was John Bolton who had everything to hide. Uh, once again, though, John Bolton was a, uh, a hiree of, uh, he was hired by uh, Donald Trump. I, I, I think a lot of the Donald Trump hires were, were not that great. Oliver Stone said, do not forsake Julian Assange. He remains a prisoner of an empire bent on war and dominance. Again, no globalist fan uh, for that. Um, Also, um, here, uh, Sarah Abdallah, Julian Assange's wife, basically said this, the destruction of the pipelines was clearly not carried out by Russia. No one believes that. In fact, the German population is overwhelmingly against any war with Russia. And Douglas McGregor said that uh, on uh, Fox Fox News. There's just so much more we can get into uh, about this subject, um, and we will in time, as time provides. But with that, uh, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out Tactical Civics Dot com and find out how you can take your country back locally through a chapter. They'll give you all the training you need. TacticalCivics.com, I recommend it. They are also a sponsor supporting this network and this this uh, show. Also, check out MAGAPAC.org, same thing, and find out how they're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow. We'll see you next time on the radio. Just to bury my kids right up to there.